podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Monday, the 9th of January. FA Cup third round weekend has been and gone. It was absolutely brilliant crack, except for the Liverpool game, which is normal of Liverpool of a weekend. Let's start with Manchester United 3, Everton 1 on Friday night. Anthony put United 1 up on four minutes. Connor Cody equalised on 14 minutes after a howler from David De Gea. Cody decided that, you know, having scored one goal, he wanted more of the action and he scored an own goal on 52. And Marcus Rashford wrapped it up with a penalty on 97. Rashford was the best player on the pitch 
by a considerable distance. And he is in very, very good form right now. It was interesting to see that United went with a full-strength team. The only one missing was the Garden Gnome, but everybody else was there. And it was a bit of a slog for them for the first half. Everton went with a back eight, a winger and one up front, uh, which is, you know, very Frank Lampard. Uh, But once again, the Ev found themselves on the wrong side of a beating. Preston 3, Huddersfield 1. Cambira put Huddersfield 1 up on 57 minutes. But a Tom Lee's own goal, Bambo Diaby and Alan Brown gave Preston a 3-1 win and they marked on. Reading beat Watford 2-0. Abretha scored just on the stroke of halftime and Shane Long still, still out there. Running aimlessly towards corner flags. Shane Long, just on the stroke of full-time, made it 2-0. Paul Ince's men head forward. Tottenham won. Portsmouth nil. The Harry Redknapp, Nico Cranshard, Jermaine Defoe, Darren Anderton, Peter Crouch, Saul Campbell, name whoever you want, Derby, uh, settled by a Harry Kane goal on the 50th minute. Spurs went with... A changed defence and a changed midfield. But I liked that Brian Hill stayed in the team with Son and with Kane. And that attack got a little bit more experience together. I also liked seeing Jed Spence get a run off the bench. And Alfie Devine, very, very talented young player that Spurs are very high on. They nicked him off Wigan. Uh, He'd been in the Wigan Academy. And when Wigan went towards the wall in 2020, um, sorry, 2021, after all those shenanigans where it appears like it was done for gambling purposes and Wigan were just the the victims of some sort of fraud. Alfie Devine was their biggest talent and Spurs managed to nick him for 300 grand. He is meant to be absolutely outstanding. A real, real prospect to move forward. Um, how Liverpool allowed him to leave, I, I don't really understand. I really don't understand. Oh, well, actually, to be fair... He was released at 11, so that's okay. That's okay. We'll allow that. Um, you make mistakes sometimes. But yeah, he, he's meant to be a big, big talent. Spurs are very excited about him. Uh, Gillingham nil, Leicester City won. Ian Acho with the goal. A bit more of a slog than it probably should have been for Leicester against the worst team in the Football League. But, you know, that's what it was. Crystal Palace won. Southampton nil. Odson Edward put Palace one up on 14 minutes. And Southampton fans lost their minds on social media and started calling for Nathan Jones to be sacked immediately. Uh, James Ward-Prowse equalised, and by equalised, I mean he overhit a cross, a free kick, and it bounced into the net. And Adam Armstrong scored on 68 minutes to give Saints a big win that hopefully will boost their confidence, and we might see that travel over into the Premier League. Uh, Hull City nil, Fulham 2 Kurzawa and a late Dan James goal giving the Cottagers the win there. Middlesbrough won, Brighton 5. Pascal Grouse scored on 8 minutes. Chupa Akpom equalised on 13 minutes. Adam Lalana made it 2-1 on 29. And then Alexis McAllister scored 2. And Dennis Undav scored 1. Scoreline flattered Brighton a little bit, but they were well deserving of their victory. Fleetwood Town 2. QPR nil, sorry, QPR one, should say. Sam Field gave QPR the lead. Nsalia and Omachiri, I've butchered that, sorry, promise, uh, gave Fleetwood the win. 
and they head forward. Ipswich 4, Rotherham 1. This flattered Ipswich, to be fair. Um, Cameron Humphreys had put them one up. Connor Washington equalised just after half time from the penalty spot. Connor Chaplin scored a penalty on 74 to put Ipswich 2-1 up. And Freddie, Freddie Ladapo scored on 79. A 3-1 would have been a bit accurate, but Wes Burns scores a late penalty to make it 4-1. Uh, strong win for Ipswich, and they'll be delighted to move on to the fourth round. Bournemouth 2, Burnley 4. Manuel Benson put Burnley 1-up. Ryan Christie equalised. Anas Zaruri scored on 39 minutes to make it 2-1. He scored again on 43 minutes to make it 3-1. Solanke gets a goal back on 48, but Benson scores on 57, and it's 4-2 to Burnley. And not a whole lot happened in the last half hour. You never really felt like Bournemouth were getting back into it. Even from 3-2, you didn't feel like they were going to go and score another one. Great win for Burnley. They're having a cracking season. Blackpool 4 Nottingham Forest nil. Ah, Nottingham Forest won. Ryan Yates scored late. Anyway, uh, Ekpi Teta scored on 17. Ian Paveda scored on 64. His name is familiar. Why do I know his name? Ian Paveda. Is he, he's he's a, he's he's a lead. Yeah. yeah. He's still he's still a Leeds player. He's on loan from Leeds. Um, CJ Hamilton scored on 71. Jerry Yates made it 4 on 87, Ryan Yates scored to put at least a little bit of less embarrassment <laughs> towards the result. I wasn't watching this game. I checked the scores and I saw I saw it was 3-0. And I was very confused. Surprised even. And then I checked the teams. Steve Cook lining up at centre-back. All confusion disappeared. It appears that Forest fans have had quite enough of Nico Williams and are deeming him a flop, which is harsh. It's early. He's only been there six months, but he hasn't been good and he's lost his place in the first team to Serge Aurier. And he was particularly poor in this game based on what I saw in the highlights, but Steve Cook doesn't help anybody. And Nico Williams isn't a fullback. He's a wingback. He was bought to play in a 3-5-2 and Cooper has now moved to a 4-3-1-2, and it doesn't suit Nico Williams. But I wouldn't write him off just yet, Forest fans. I do think he's he's a decent player. Uh, Chesterfield 3, West Brom 3. This was a belter. Brandon Thomas Asante put West Brom 1-up on 2 minutes. Tyrone Williams equalised on 7 minutes. Carolyn Grant put West Brom 2-1-up on 17. Armando Dobra equalised on 36 and then put Chesterfield ahead on 41. But Thomas Asante scores on 93 minutes to rescue a draw for West Brom, which, based on the game, was absolutely warranted. Uh, Millwall nil, Sheffield United 2. Daniel Jebison and Jaden Bogle with the goals there, 23 and 36 minutes, and the Blades march on. They're having a good season as well. Boreham won. Accrington Stanley won. Lee Endlove and Ryan Astley with the goals in that one. I wonder is Lee Endlove related to Peter Endlove? Peter Endlove was one of my favourite Premier League players back in the 90s when he played for Coventry. 
He's like an electric left winger or a striker. A little bit inconsistent, which is why he was at Coventry and not at a top club. But he was really, really good. He was linked with Liverpool incessantly for about four years. Every single time he had a good game, he'd be linked to Liverpool. Uh, both his brothers were professional footballers. It doesn't say. I'm guessing he's not. I'm guessing Leah and Love is not related. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's his nephew. Can't find anything. Can't find anything. It'd be cool if he was, but you know, I'm sure there are other families with that uh, with that particular surname. Good to see him scoring goal in the FA Cup, though. Shrewsbury one, Sunderland two. Dull, dull, dull game. Matthew Pennington put Shrewsbury one up on 81 minutes, and it looks like that's it. Game over. Sunderland have dominated the game till that point, but it looks like they're just going to go out. But then Ross Stewart on 92 minutes and Luke O'Nine on 94 minutes sends Sunderland through. To be fair, on balance, the play absolutely warranted. Uh, Brentford Brentford nil, West Ham won. Saeed Benrama with the only goal of the game. Coventry 3, Wrexham 4. Sam Dalby Dalby puts Wrexham 1 up on 12 minutes. Elliot Lee makes it 2 on 18 minutes. Ben Sheaf pulls one back for Coventry on 36. But Thomas O'Connor scores just before half-time to make it 3-1. Paul Mullen scores a penalty on 58 to make it 4-1. Looks like it's game over, but Victor Giorquez scores on 69. Casey Palmer scores on 76. This is after Jonathan Panzo has been sent off for Coventry. So with 10 men, they're launching this comeback. But unfortunately for them, they just couldn't find that equaliser. They did dominate the last 30 minutes of the game. Quite backs to the wall stuff for Wrexham. Mad game. Big upset. Because Coventry are a decent championship team and Wrexham are football league, or national league. So this is a big upset. Great to see. And I'm sure Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney had themselves uh, a good old night celebrating after that one. Luton won, Wigan won. Tom Naylor put Wigan one up on 17. Harry Cornick scored just before half time to equalise for Luton, Grimsby won, Burton nil, Lewis Richardson on 76, the only goal in that one. This is a shock. Sheffield Wednesday of League One, two. Newcastle United, third in the Premier League, one. Josh Windass scores twice, 52 minutes, 65 minutes, to put the Owls 2-0 up. Bruno Gomerich scores on 69 to give Newcastle a fighting chance, and it looked like they might get an equaliser late on, but unfortunately for them, it wasn't to be. I think that's a big upset. I think that's a, a great result for Sheffield Wednesday. And it wasn't like Newcastle played an entire reserve team. It was mostly a reserve team. But Sven, Bot- Sven Botman started. Joe Linton started. 
Kieran Trippier came off the bench. Chris Wood came off the bench. Almiron came off the bench. Willock came off the bench. And Gimerish came off the bench. So, and Alexander Isak will be first choice there. He's just not at the moment because of injury. But he started as well. It's very clear that Eddie Howe wanted to win that game. He was taking this seriously. He was just trying to get his squad involved. And unfortunately for them, they were undone by Sheffield Wednesday. Now, there are some quite disturbing images from the away end just before kickoff where it does seem like there was a bit of a crush in the tunnels into the stadium. Um, Hillsborough obviously is home to one of the great tragedies in the history of football. And it seems like there was quite a lucky escape that there wasn't people injured. Not a, not a tragedy to, this, to the extent of, of what happened, obviously, in, in 89. Nothing close to that. But it does seem like it came very close to some people getting hurt. And that's not good at all. And I, I really do think both the police and Sheffield Wednesday Football Club need to have a proper look at that stadium and see whether it's fit for purpose. See whether things need to change in terms of how fans are getting into the areas that they're meant to be in. Uh, Liverpool 2, Wolves 2. Guedes scores on 26 after a howler from Alisson. Darwin Nunes equalises on 45. Salah puts Liverpool up on 52. And Huang Hee Chan takes advantage of Jordan Henderson being a ball watching I won't use the word I was going to use. I'm just a ball watcher. That'll do. Uh, on 66 to equalise and give Wolves a draw. They were very unfortunate not to win the game. They had what I think was a perfectly fine goal ruled out for offside, even though the player was actually onside when he received the ball back from a set piece. Uh, Liverpool were a lucky escape. Wolves robbed, basically. Wolves, Wolves were robbed. Uh, Derby 3, Barnsley nil. James Collins on... 50, uh, for, sorry, 45 minutes. Tom Barkhausen on 60 and Jason Knight, love a bit of Jason Knight, quality player, on 79, giving Derby a big win, sending them on. Bristol won, Swansea won. Joel Perot scored on 15 for Swansea. Uh, Antoine Semenyo equalised on 75, so that one heads for a replay. Cardiff 2, Leeds 2. Lucky escape for Leeds here. Jaden Philogen, who I believe is on loan from Aston Villa, puts Cardiff one up on 24. Shea Ojo, formerly of Liverpool, equal. Apozai makes it 2-0 on 31. Rodrigo scores on 65. Joel Baggin is sent off for Cardiff on 80. And Sonny Perkins, formerly of West Ham, signed for Leeds in the summer. West Ham were quite put out by this because he was one of the big hopes they had. Seems like Leeds have gotten themselves a bit of a gem here, and they've had, you know, they've had a couple of other really impressive youngsters come into their ranks in the last few years. Uh, Sonny Perkins has the opportunity to play for the great Republic of Ireland national team uh, due to grandparents, and hopefully at some point he will take that. He's apparently open to the idea. And, you know, him and Evan Ferguson maybe as a long-term front pairing is something we could very much get on board with. Uh, But that one will head for a draw as well. Stockport 1, Walsall 2. Danny Johnson put Walsall 1 up on 63. Paddy Madden equalised on 88, but Andy Williams with a penalty 
in the 95th minute sends Walsall on to the fourth round. Hartlepool nil, Stoke three. Ewan Murray own goal, Jacob Brown, and another another own goal by Roland Meniesi give Stoke the victory. Um, yeah, Stoke will Stoke. Norwich won, Blackburn two because Black. Sorry, Norwich nil, Blackburn one. I don't know why I'm reading it like that. Norwich nil, Blackburn won. Jack Vale with the only goal. On 31 minutes. Blackburn, of course, do not do draws, so they head forward. Uh, Aston Villa won. Stevenage two. Another big shock in the FA Cup. At Villa Park, no less. Morgan Sanson scores on 33. Then Donker is sent off on 85. Jamie Reid scores a penalty for Stevenage on 88. And Dean Campbell with the winner. In the last minute of the game. And Guy has just broken the news that Neil Warnock's podcast, which I'd imagine is just wonderful, will have Steve Bruce as the next guest. If gammon and gravy is your bag, this will be the most gammon and the most gravy ever served up into your ears. Wonderful. I can't wait to listen to that. Any idea when that is on, Guy? Try and find out a date for me there. I think it's um, today. Oh, absolutely. We'll get on that tonight. Manchester City 4, Chelsea 0. Riyad Mahrez on 23, a Julian Alvarez penalty on 30, Phil Foden on 38, and a Riyad Mahrez penalty on 85. Enough to give City a very, very comprehensive win over sad sack Chelsea, who managed just one shot on target in the 90 minutes. And let's be fair, Kepa, starter, Koulibaly, starter, Kovacic, Jorginho, both starters, Mount, Havertz, both starters. Conor Gallagher's been starting a fair amount recently. Aspilicueta came on, he's club captain. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it was, not like it was an all-reserve team. City went with with a rotated team as well. And just comprehensively slap Chelsea's backsides. Uh, we have one game tonight. It is Oxford United versus Arsenal. We have one game on the 17th, 20, sorry, on the 17th that didn't get to be played this weekend. That is Forest Green against Birmingham. That game was called off because of a waterlogged pitch. Um, Forest Green, you might want to sort your drainage out, lads. Uh, so we have at the moment five replays. All to be played also on the 17th. West Brom, Chesterfield. Swansea, Bristol City. Leeds, Cardiff. Accrington, Stanley. Boreham Wood. And Wolves, Liverpool. You would expect that Arsenal will win tonight and win quite comfortably. And then Forest Green against Birmingham. We'll see how that one goes. But if that's a draw, they're going to have to do a very quick turnaround and a replay in that one because... The next round of FA Cup games takes place on the 28th of January. And the draw is as follows. Preston versus Tottenham. Southampton versus Blackpool. Wrexham versus Sheffield United. Ipswich versus Burnley. Manchester United versus Reading. Nice easy draw for United there. Luton Town or Wigan versus Grimsby Town. 
Derby County versus West Ham. Stoke City versus Stevenage. Stevenage were probably hoping for a better draw after knocking out Villa, but it is what it is. Blackburn versus Forest Green Rovers or Birmingham. Walsall versus Leicester City. Sheffield Wednesday versus Fleetwood Town. Manchester City versus Oxford or Arsenal. So that's the marquee game of the round. Bristol City or Swansea versus Chesterfield or West Brom. Brighton and Hove Albion versus Liverpool or Wolves. Fulham versus Sunderland. Bournemouth or Accrington Stanley versus Cardiff or Leeds. So we should have, well, we definitely will have some lower league teams in the fifth round. Wrexham Sheffield United will produce lower league. Ipswich Burnley will produce lower league. Luton or Wigan versus Grimsby. Stoke or Stevenage. Blackburn or Forest Green or Birmingham. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday versus Fleetwood. Bristol City or Swansea versus Chesterfield or West Brom, lower league. And that's basically it. And we'll see how the other ones work out. But yeah, we should have a number of lower league teams. And it'd be nice if we could get, you know, maybe one non-league team into the fifth round if Wrexham could manage to beat Sheffield United. But Sheffield United look very good at the moment. as some really good players in that team. And they didn't play a full-strength team at the weekend, but still looked impressive. So the FA Cup was a lot of fun. Uh, the fourth round, I expect to be a lot of fun as well. Like I say, games take place the weekend of the 28th of January. Obviously, some of those games will get flexed on to the, Saturday, the Sunday, the 29th. I'd imagine we might even get one on the 27th, the Friday. We might get one on the Monday. So, yeah, that should be a fun weekend in the FA Cup in a few weekends' time. Um, we will take our break there when we come back. Bobby Martinez has a new job. See you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So, Roberto Martinez is in work once again. He has been appointed as the new head coach of the Portugal national team. How it is that this grifter has managed to go from being average at Swansea to getting Wigan relegated to failing fairly spectacularly at Everton to then managing the Belgian national team for six years and underachieving and failing to turn the squad over to now landing arguably the second most talented national team in the world is anybody's guess. It is anybody's guess how he has gotten this job. My assumption is there's still this mindset that he plays an entertaining brand of football. And given that Portugal have played rather dull football for the last six years or eight years or however long it was, and that's how they won the European Championship was playing very dull football, my assumption is that they wanted a change in mindset, a change in approach, a change in style. And Roberto Martinez is seen as the man to do that. Now, he inherits a hell of a squad. He really does. There is so much Portuguese talent, it is obscene. Diogo Costa, 
has improved immeasurably in the last 12 months and looks like a, a proper a proper option to be the long-term first choice. Obviously, he was first choice in the World Cup. Uh, Jose Sa is a decent Premier League goalkeeper and one that, you know, as a squad... Excuse me. As a squad player, you can rely on. Uh, I do like Anthony Lopez, the goalkeeper of Leon. Now, he only has 14 caps. It should be a lot more. He's been significantly... I would say significantly better over the last few years than Rui Patricio. Patricio's still around. So you've got four goalkeepers you can work with, and there'll always be more arriving on the scene. Defensively, you've got the likes of Delo, You've got Ricardo Pereira. You've got João Canseo as right-back options. You've got João Canseo, Rafael Guerrero, and Nuno Mendes as left-back options. In central defence, you've obviously got Ruben Diaz, you've got Antonio Silva, you've got David Carmo, you've got uh, Inacio, Goncalo Inacio at Sporting. It's a really talented group. Thiago Jalo, really talented group of central defenders. Midfield, you're loaded with talent. Paulinho, Bruno, Bernardo, William Carvalho, Vitinha, João Mario, Ruben Neves, Matias Nunes, Otavio, João Matinho is an option. Um, the kid Arsenal signed Fabio Vieira he's an option and then up front Andre Silva João Felix Rafael Leao Ricardo Horta Goncalo Ramos Diogo Jota Pedro Neto Guedesh like that's a seriously talented group the biggest question is what does he do with Cristiano is he the one that will have the courage to say to Cristiano, you're not in the squad. Or if you are in the squad, you're coming off the bench permanently and that's it. This is not changing. The team is going to be the team. The team's going to play for each other. Because this Portuguese team is about as talented as you'll find outside of France. And really, really should be one of the preeminent teams when it comes to who's going to win a World Cup, who's going to win the next Euros. But I just think this is a weak appointment. I really do. There's a lot of really talented Portuguese coaches. I'm not sure why you had to go for this fellow. I just, I don't think he's much good. Simple as that. Uh, speaking of Cristiano, um, he is suspended for the next couple of games for Al Nazir after that incident back in April where he slapped the phone out of the young fan's hand and broke the phone. Uh, he is likely to play in an exhibition match against Paris Saint-Germain. So we get Ronaldo versus Messi. Um, but yeah, it is it is very funny that it is, he is suspended now for something that happened in April. Why wasn't he suspended much earlier for this? Any other player would have been. It looks like the FA weren't going to suspend him, but have decided now that they will. Um, I mentioned France a few minutes ago. They have confirmed a new contract for Didier Deschamps, which will see him in charge up until 2026. Again, I think that's a mistake. I think his time has come and gone. I think they won the World Cup in 2018 in spite of him. I think he cost them the Euros in 2016. I think he cost them the World Cup this year with his approach, with his inability to really be a anything resembling a good manager. Um, there is some controversy in France at the moment, though. 
Noel Legray, who is the French Football Federation president, 81 years of age and still taking up a job that he's far too old to be actually doing. He came out and said he wouldn't have taken Zinedine Zidane's phone call if Zidane had rang him and said he wanted the job. He has since clarified that it was a clumsy remark and he was trying to, you know, echo the importance of Deschamps and how respected Deschamps is. But in the end, he all he did was annoy a bunch of people. Uh, France's sports minister came out and demanded that he apologise, said it was a shameful lack of respect. Uh, she is one to talk, given what she did after the Champions League final in Paris. But Kylian Mbappe also spoke out, and he doesn't seem at all happy. So, you know, we'll wait and see. He might not be in a job for much longer. Zinedine Zidane is probably second only to God in France. He's that important. Um... Deschamps is a mistake. He just is. Speaking of mistakes, have Chelsea made a mistake with Graham Potter? Allegedly, he retains the support of the board. Is that the dreaded vote of no confidence? Things have not gone well since Graham Potter took over as Chelsea manager. I think it's fair to say he looks a little bit out of his depth. The latest excuse is that he's held back by the squad okay, you've just spent 400 million in eight months and the squad is still not good enough to be better than what we're seeing right now. The squad is not good enough to have you higher in the league table than 10th. Chelsea are 10th in the league. They're 10 points off Manchester United with the same number of games played. They're 19 points behind Arsenal with the same number of games played. You downgraded. I like Graham Potter. I think Graham Potter is a good coach. And I think in time will become a very good coach. But there's no planet on which he's a better coach than Thomas Tuchel. There's absolutely no circumstances on which he's a better coach than Thomas Tuchel. And When he was at Brighton, many people, including myself, used to make the excuse for him of, well, they play great football, but they don't have a striker, so they can't score goals. But he's not scoring, his team aren't scoring goals for Chelsea either. And they do have some strikers. They do have some proven goal scorers in their squad, like Raheem Sterling, like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. If the issue is the squad, then why was Thomas Tuchel sacked? Did you not sack him because he wasn't up to it? Or did you sack him for some other reason? Was he perhaps sacked because he said no to Cristiano? Possibly. Possibly. Was he sacked because he told told Todd Bowley that 4-4-3 wasn't a possibility? Who knows? But it was a mistake. And I don't know if Potter can turn this around because... They are so poor right now. It's really hard to know whether he's going to get the opportunity to do it. Like they're 10th. And when you look at the results under him, he took over 
on September 8th after they'd illegally topped them up. And which, you know, so let's factor this in. They spent £280 million in the summer and they sacked Thomas Tuchel on September 8th, but they'd already approached Graham Potter before that. So what did they wait? Four, five days after the transfer window? Before deciding Tuchel wasn't the man? Why did you spend all that money for them? Why were you running about? You have to then have had doubts before you signed Aubameyang and Fafana for a combined 80 million in the last 24 hours of the transfer window. Surely you have to have been having doubts over the manager. If so, why were you spending all this money? Like they have signed good players, talented players. Raheem Sterling's a very, very good player. Koulibaly might be a little bit washed. Might be a little bit washed. Omari Hutchinson's very talented. Slanina is a huge prospect. Karni Chukwemeka is a huge prospect. Uh, Zach Sturge, you signed as a young left back from Brighton on a free. He might just be one for, you know, to sell on at some point. Cucurella is a good player. Cesare Casede is a talented player. Fafana is a big prospect. Aubameyang's a proven goal scorer. Good players. I, I don't know how you're blaming the squad. Like, I'd look at that squad. Kepa, Bettinelli, Mendy. Wouldn't be in love with any of them, but it's not the worst goalkeeping situation in the league. Not by a long shot. Reese James not having a backup for him is, is very problematic. But you've got Cucurella and Chilwell at left back. I know Chilwell's currently injured, but you've still got a really good left back situation. Your other right back is your club captain that you probably should have let go in the summer. Uh, Chalaba can also play there. You know, at centre back, you've got Silva, you've got Kulabali, you've got Chalaba, you've got Fafana, though he has been injured. And uh, now you've added Badi Shile to that mix. See how he does. By the way, seven and a half year contract. Seven and a half year contract is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And it is very much pointing to the fact that Bowley's running out of money. And they're having to, and they're also getting right up against FFP. So I'm not sure Chelsea will be signing anybody else this window. And I wouldn't be so sure they'll do much business in the summer. We know when Kunku's likely to arrive. I think Declan Rice might arrive. And I think that might be it for the summer, which will still leave them with, you know, that goalkeeping situation and no no fit as a nine because it doesn't look like Aubameyang fits. But I mean, there's loads of midfield talent. There's loads of attacking talent. I'm not having that you're held back by the squad. He was doing better with Brighton who have a far less talented squad. Maybe the players just don't have the respect for him. Maybe they're not listening to him. I don't know. But there's so much talent at that club in terms of first-team players and academy players, that uh, there's just there's no excuse for them. Like, Datro Fafana signed in a six-and-a-half-year deal uh, in this window as well. The young Brazilian winger, uh, midfielder, rather, they brought in Andre Santos. I believe it's a six-and-a-half-year deal as well. They're having to stretch these contracts out Likely with a bit of wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the agent of, well, look, we're not going to expect him to stay on these terms for that length of time. 
But if I was Datro Fafana or Santos, I'd be worried about what my future holds. You're signed to Chelsea for that long. You're likely going on loan four or five times. Unless you really kick on and explode, you're going to spend the next five, six years getting loaned here, there, everywhere. I don't know if Potter can turn it around. I hope he's given the time and the opportunity, but we'll see. Um, This is one of the stranger transfer links of the January transfer window. Voot Veghorst, currently on loan from Burnley at Besiktas. Uh, now on Manchester United's radar. United are looking to bring in a number nine. It seems like they can't afford to bring in Joe Felix on loan. So they're looking to bring in Voot Veghorst. Uh, the other player I've been linked to them, I think, is Vincent de Bubakar, whose contract with Alan Nazir might be getting terminated. Uh, Veghorst, though, on loan at Besiktas, which means they would have to give their okay to allowing that their loan to be terminated and then Burnley would have to loan them again. So you'd imagine United will have to pay a fee to Burnley and a fee to Besiktas to get him in. Now, I like Veghorst. He was awful for Burnley, but he's a good player. and He's got eight goals in 16 games so far this season. He was really good for Wolfsburg. He wants to move, apparently. And Besiktas say if, if they're compensated, they'd be open to it. It's a bit of an odd one for United. It is a bit of an odd one. But this is this is the type of striker that this manager wants. I mean, Sebastian Haller was brilliant under him at, at Ajax. He does want a big target man. And Veghorst would fit the bill. I don't know why there's interest in Joe Felix. He doesn't fit the bill at all. Jeff Felix would actually be an awful fit at United. But Veghorst, yeah, it kind of fits the bill. you think they could probably do better, but I, I suppose they'll hold off until the summer and they'll probably go and try and buy a nine then. Maybe Vlahovic, if Juve are open to a sale. Um, just depends on, on the ownership as to what money they'll have to spend because it's very clear there's no money to spend right now. Uh, the owners have, you know, put the club up for sale, though they don't really seem to want to sell based on what they're costing the club at. $7 billion for a club worth less than four? A club with half a billion in debt that the new owner would then take on? And the stadium needs to be massively upgraded, massively renovated? And the training ground probably needs to be replaced. You're talking probably a hundred million for a new training ground. They own the land. They could just, I suppose, they could build where they are, but they'd have to limit themselves. Maybe they send, I don't know. Maybe they send the senior players to train at their academy. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, but they've got to rebuild the academy, the, the training ground. They probably need to rebuild their academy as well. It's most likely out of date because um, the Glazers haven't put any money into infrastructure in 70, 18 years since they bought the club. So you've probably got to replace both of those. Let's say 100 million for those. You're probably talking somewhere in the region of eight to 900 million 
to renovate and expand Old Trafford or build a new stadium, which is probably going to cost about double that. Like, who really is walking around with, you know, nine billion in their pocket thinking, I'd love to sink all of this money into United. Oh, and then you have to buy players? Yeah, no, just not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. Uh, let's do the gossip and get out of here for today. Barcelona and Netherlands forward Memphis Depay wants to rejoin Manchester United six years after leaving Old Trafford. I have doubts about whether that's true. Manchester City are planning to revamp their midfield next season and Jude Bellingham is a key target. Everybody has known that for months and months and months. Borussia Dortmund expect Bellingham to confirm in the next few weeks where he wants to play next season with Liverpool, Real Madrid and City waiting on his decision. Benfica manager Roger Schmidt says he dropped Enzo Fernandez for Friday's Premier League victory over Porto Menense because he missed training after returning home to Argentina for New Year's Eve celebrations. Uh, he went back to get drunk with the rest of the World Cup squad. Uh, Chelsea are continuing talks with Jack Dardanest for Mikhailo Mudrik and Enzo Fernandez of Benfica. Um, no, they're not. There's no talks with Benfica at all. Benfica don't want to talk to them. It's over. Give up. And it, it's very unlikely they're going to get Mudrik either. He seems set on Arsenal. Mudrik is split, split between joining Chelsea who have offered more money, and Arsenal, which seems to be the club he wants to go to. Arsenal will not be drawn into a bidding more for Mikhail Mudrik and will step up their plans to sign Joe Felix. A very different type of player. Joe Felix is not a winger. And Joe Felix, you'd imagine, would be more expensive if you tried to buy him. Now, it may just be that it's a loan. Mikel Arteta is pushing the club to sign both Mudrik and Felix. He's a money manager. He's a checkbook manager, like his, like his former boss. And that you're probably looking at, was it 14, 15 million at Letty want? Shakhtar want, I would guess, at least 75 for Mudrik. It's all Manchester United's fault for paying that money for Anthony, but it's also Arsenal's fault because they paid that money for Nicola Pepe a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling Mudrik will probably stay where he is um, unless somebody does something silly. It's way above what he's worth. Way above what he's worth. Manchester United have agreed to sign Vincent de Boubacar on loan from Almazia. I think that's been rubbish since. Juventus and Barcelona are interested in Wolf Zaha. Not really a Barcelona type of fit. Juventus? I could see Juventus working for him. Maybe not as a starter, but as a squad player, I think he'd be a good fit for Juventus. Real Madrid could, could try to sign Ashraf Hakimi in the summer as a replacement for Danny Carvial. Ashraf Hakimi, of course, formerly of Real Madrid, who sold him to Inter Milan because they're a bit silly. Liverpool and Chelsea are chasing Moises Caicedo. Chelsea are also interested in Marcus Turam. Salonatana want to sign Papa Matarasar on loan. Could be a good move for him, though I think he'd be better off with a Premier League move. Uh, West Ham manager David Moyes faces a crucial two weeks with Premier League fixtures against Wolves and Everton set to decide his future. Yeah, it's not looking good for West Ham. It really isn't. Uh, Moving on, Atletico Madrid are demanding a 9.5 million loan fee for Felix and a commitment to pay 70 million in the summer. Uh, I'd be surprised if they're willing to take that 
low of a fee, but that's probably more than he's worth right now. But they spent 116 million or something on him. That might have been euros. But it was over 100 million pounds. Uh, Roberto Martinez, yada, yada. David Ornstein broke the Martinez, the Portugal story. Uh, Zinedine Zidane has turned down an offer to coach the United States men's national team. That's a shame. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur can... Sorry, Tottenham Hotspur have targeted Jordan Pickford to replace Hugo Lloris. It goes from bad to worse. Uh, Al Nazir have released Vincent Abubakar. Apparently, this is not true. Um... Crystal Palace are ready to rival Danny, rival Everton to sign Danny Ings. I'd like him to go back to Southampton if he's going to leave, if they have the money. Brighton manager Roberto De Zerbi has told Leandro Trossard he wants more from him after dropping the Belgian forward amid speculation linking him with a move to Newcastle and Chelsea. Brighton chief executive Paul Barber has warned Chelsea and Liverpool that only a huge fee We'll see the Seagulls sell Moises Caicedo. Chelsea have opened talks with Borussia Mönchengladbach over a January move for Marcus Turam. Leeds are looking at Hoffenheim French for Hoffenheim's French forward Jorginho Ruter. He is super talented, super talented. Keep an eye on him. Ukrainian football agent Igor Krivenko believes Shakhtar Donetsk will not let Arsenal target Mikhailo Mudrik leave for the reported eighty-eight. 88 million being offered by the Gunners. Well, that's not what they're offering. They're offering significantly less than that. And to call it an inadequate price is just nonsense. Uh, Blackburn Rovers want 15 million for Penn Britain. It's a contract in the summer. You're not getting 15 million. Aston Villa's French defender, Frederick Gibert, has hinted he could be poised to make a move away. I don't think anyone will be too sad about that. The fella hasn't been any good for them. Uh, Arsenal are interested in Alejandro Balde. Zero chance he leaves Barcelona. Zero chance. He's getting one of those big deals with a billion pound buyout, without doubt. Aston Villa are close to a breakthrough in talks to sign Alex Moreno from Real Betis. That's a bit of a strange one because I already think they have two decent left backs. I'm not sure he's any better than either of them. Newcastle are preparing a summer move for Moussa Diaby. Makes sense. Southampton are considering a move for Celtics 25-year-old Japanese forward Dyson Maeda. I really like Maeda. He's not what they need at all. Racing Club have rejected Southampton's bid for Carlos Alcaraz. He's he's really good. Really, really talented. I, I'd love Liverpool to just have a bit of courage and go and get him. Uh, Southampton have had a £15 million bid rejected by Laurent for 23-year-old Nigerian striker Terry Moffey. Saints are at least active in this transfer market, and we'll see if they go back in for both of those players. England mid... Sorry. Manchester United have dismissed speculation linking England defender Harry Maguire with Aston Villa and do not expect him to leave the club in the January transfer. So this... I don't know where this story came from. Somebody reported that Maguire was on the brink of joining Aston Villa. Villa's fans on Twitter went into meltdown. United fans were planning a parade to celebrate him gone, and uh, he's not going anywhere. Uh, TalkSport are reporting that Tottenham have interest in Leandro Trossard. I assume that's Alex Crook. Alex Crook is a spoofer. 
Um, Manchester City expect to complete the signing of Maximo Perone from Velas Sarsfield this week for 6.5 million. Talented player, but it's the wrong move for him. Qatari Sports Investments, owner of Paris Saint-Germain, are looking to make a minority investment in another team that have held talks with Tottenham. Uh, this is Ben Jacobs. This is spoofing. Um, Roma director Thiago Pinto is confident Chris Smalling will sign a new contract. I think he should. Um, he's he's done well for Roma. Um, the BBC might want to learn how to read Google, though they have Chris Smalling down as being 30. He is, in fact, 33. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he should stay there. Manchester United, Newcastle, Arsenal and Chelsea are interested in Memphis Depay. Atletico Madrid want to re-sign Alejandro Garnacho, but United are unlikely to let him leave. Isn't he at a contract at the end of the season? Manchester United are considering a move for 36-year-old Eden Jekyll. Okay. Manager Ruben Amaram says Sporting Lisbon do not fear Tottenham in do not fear Tottenham interest in Pedro Poro and Marcus Edwards. I really like Ruben Amram. If Klopp if Klopp were to walk away from Liverpool at any point, I think he'd be my top choice. I think he'd be my top choice. Tottenham are tracking Brentford goalkeeper Dav- goalkeeper David Rea as they seek seek a long term successor. Ray would make sense for them. He's a similar style of goalkeeper to Larice. I think they should aim higher because I don't think he's a great goalkeeper. But I think, you know, he's not bad. And that's it. That is me for today, folks. Thank you as always. And I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.